Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday, and me, Letitia Thomas. And welcome back to another episode of Binge Lists and Box Office Hits. I am your host, Shannon Holiday, and I'm joined remotely with Letitia Thomas. How are you doing? Yes, hello. I'm good. You're sick. I am sick. I'm recovering from an illness of last week, and we didn't want to take the risk because you're going no, to see like, soon. So I, this is the best I'm way. I'm on a plane, and I have to cry again by watching, like, Million Dollar Baby and I'm sick and snotty and crying again. I'm not doing that again. I'd say don't pick Million Dollar Baby on the plane this time. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes of my life was that one. Did you get any suggestions out of our Instagram page questionnaire? Um, The best movie that we watched on a plane was Minions, which I did share with you guys. And the worst movie was um, one of the ones with The Rock. And then my second suggestion was to watch movies with The Rock. So polarizing. Very polarizing. Funnily enough, next episode is about The Rock, so we'll get into those. I wonder who suggested that we'll, then. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see next week when we've got a special guest while you're away. I will be listening at some point. Please do. Somewhere. Yes, somewhere um, mm. in Europe. You'll be listening Maybe to. on one of my many little flights. I will. Yeah, tune. little red-eye flights. Just don't watch actual red-eye. I've seen it. It's good. Yeah, I really liked it too. I've seen a lot of, like, plane crash movies and TV shows I, recently. funnily enough, love them as well. Like, Lost Lost is obviously a plane, mm-hmm. plane crash movie, but so is Yellow yep, Jackets. Yellow Jackets, yep. And what's that one, that older one, where they're stuck in the Andes? It's basically what Yellow Jackets is kind of loosely based on. It's this really, really, well, it was well-known. I think it was, like, an 80s film. And it was about that soccer team that also crashed in the Andes and they had to kind of, you know, survive and do various things before some of them could, you know, get rescued. I'll look it up later. Alive? Alive. 1993 film. Okay, it was 90s. I was close. The rugby team. That's it. It was a true story. Yeah. Yeah. I've not seen that one. No. Or I had when I was little. It's very good. It's very similar. If you like Yellow Jackets, just without the teen drama, but it's good. Without the fun. (laughs) Without the fun part. Um, (laughs) Without the fun. Should we get into it, Tish? Should we talk about what we've been watching this week? Yeah, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first this time. All righty. All right, so besides First Man, which we'll talk about in the main topic when we get to that, mm-hmm. during my sickness part of the week, uh, me and my housemate Ben decided to head out and uh, go to the movies and see if I could get a bit better by going out of the house. And uh, we went and watched The Meg 2, The Trench. <laughs> I feel like we're doing Ben so dirty with the movies that we I know, tell the people su- he's The suggestions we come up with Ben's, uh, you know, cinema experiences. Like Paul Blart, and then we went to Transformers. Yeah, and now he's going to see the Meg too. He has seen other films, guys. I do know this. <laughs> uh, so this one's starring Jason Statham, Wu Jing, Shua, Sophie, Kai, Sergio Perez, Menchetta, Skylar Samuels, and Cliff Curtis. So it's very much an international film, just like the first one was. It's very much marketed towards like a Chinese uh, audience, 
because uh, they love their their monster movies, their disaster films, and you know big shark films as well. So this one is an exploratory dive into the deepest depths of the ocean of a daring research team spirals into chaos when a malevolent mining operation threatens their mission and forces them into a high stakes battle for survival. I know how thrilling does that sound? Now this is I haven't seen the first one. Okay. For people that have seen the first one and enjoyed it for being, you know, you're kind of on the same veins as Sharknado and like monster crocodile versus shark, whatever. It's very similar to that. It's more of like a polished version of those B films um, are. It's, it's, it's basically the same kind of plot as the first one. It's, they go into the depths of the ocean, the trench. They do in the first one as well. I don't know why this one's just called the trench. Uh, there's like a thing where only they build these tiny little pods similar to Ocean Gate and they go under, there's like a le- like a layer of like where the deep sea animals can't go above it, but then we've discovered a way to go down and kind of discover them and stuff. Yeah. Now in yeah, this Ocean one, Gate. Yeah. yeah, basically there's a, there's a mining operation in this one. They're trying to mine some, you know, minerals that are underneath that particular layer and level. Now an explosion happens opens up the rift and all these monsters come out, don't they? And it's just mayhem. So the second half of the film is very similar to the first one. There's this place called, it's called Fun Island. Uh, and it's all these like party goers and like beach setters. And the <laughs> as like uh, the main heroes are trying to get away from the mining people who are trying to basically shoot them as well. The, the big, Megs follow them to this beach setting and it's just it's just chaos. It's just people getting eaten left, right and center. It's Jason Jason Statham on a on a jet ski for like half an hour throwing bomb javelins at these giant megs. Um I had a thrill of a time with this movie because that's exactly I knew what it was. I wasn't going mm, yeah. this is going to win Oscar for, you know, best cinematography or anything. It was just dumb fun, stupid dumb fun and I th- Thoroughly enjoyed it for that reason. Like even the actors knew what it was when they were doing it. They don't exactly put their like whole heart into some of the lines that they're delivering it, but you can tell they're having fun as well, which is important. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just want a stupid movie to watch, it's worth it. It's fun and, yeah, worth checking out. So apart from watching, I watched Whiplash and 10 Cloverfield Lane, but we'll talk about them a bit later. Um, I watched one that is known for its cinematography, I suppose, or it should be, um, Call Me By Your Name, 2017, mm-hmm. um, with Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer, which is awkward now because Army Hammer might be a cannibal. But yeah, there's that anywho. whole rumor going around with that, and he's cancelled as well. So this is before that happened. Yeah. So I watched that one because everyone's been telling me about it, and then we had a trivia question about it last week, and I just thought, you know what? Yeah. I've been judging it for years. I should watch it. Um, I didn't like love it, but I didn't dislike it either. If that makes sense, you appreciated it for what it was, but you didn't enjoy it. Sometimes. Yeah, like I mean, I enjoyed it, but the the hype was massive. Yeah, but I think it was just people were in love with Timothy Chalamet. So yeah, it's just a sweet like romance between. Yeah. It's set in the nineteen eighties in Italy, and it's between a seventeen year old student. Um, and they, he and his family go to Italy like every year or whatever. His dad's a professor and they usually like hire someone to help out. His dad might work over the summer. Um, and they hire this dude, Army Hammer. Mm-hmm. And then the two boys, well, 
the boy and the, the, boy, yeah. the boy and the man sort of just have this romance that's sort of a once in a lifetime type type thing and it's like sweet and nice and he gets his heart broken because of course he does because it ends eventually but yeah, I think it yeah. was overhyped like it's a gorgeous film but it wasn't there's other gorgeous films as yeah. well you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I think it was similar I think Time and Place as well. I think 2017, it was one of the shining movies from that year, potentially. Yeah. I think it was up for the best Oscar or something at the time. And, yeah, it was Talk of the Town when it came out because, yeah, Timothy Chalamet, he was kind of the really big rising star around that time because I'm pretty sure it was the same time as Lady Bird and there was yeah. something else he was in. I think it was Beautiful Boy as well was around that mm-hmm. time. So he was really kind of emerging as this kind of like – a-list star out of nowhere and yeah a film like this which is supposed to be you know pretty pretty film you know quite artistic um it was going to do well and yeah it was a little bit overhyped but yeah appreciate for what it is i mean it wasn't bad and if you did want to watch it it it's genuinely worth it um i just knew i I think i knew going in i wasn't going to love it the same way as a lot of girls loved it so, it's the same director who yeah. did um, Bones and All, which I watched recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's quite a beautiful film as well, but it obviously got harrowing themes. But yeah, the 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 director's got a particular style, and if if you're into it, it's it's quite good. It is worth checking out. Yeah, um, I'm glad I have watched it now, so that I can. You can say you've seen it. I can say I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. You can appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So my second film. I watched this during the week as well, and I had an opportunity to watch it at home. Uh, I watched The Flash from 2023. How was that, Shannon? Look, I'll get into why in a second, but it is starring Ezra Miller, Sasha Kale, Michael Keaton, Michael Shannon, and is uh, it's written by... Okay, I, there's a list of people it's written by, and that's probably why it <laughs> has issues. One, never two, well. three, four people wrote this film. That that's never. So that a means good a lot sign. of people took over and rewrote yes. the film. That's what that means. Yes, it does. Uh, and, and they did enough to be credited, which I think it's a minimum of twenty five percent rewrite you have to do before you get your name credited. That's interesting. Then, if there's four yeah. people and that's happened, yeah. Um, okay, a few things on this film. So, somewhere hidden deep in this film is a good story it's hard to explain it's it's so hidden because there's there's parts in it that i'm like that's okay that's all right uh everyone else around ezra miller is really good so sasha kale who plays supergirl is really good so is michael keaton i mean he's fantastic but he plays his batman role again um he's a little bit older and that's obviously implemented into the story as well uh they're really good on screen uh it's just the fact that ezra miller plays a version of Barry Allen that is borderline Joker-esque uh, in terms of his portrayal, it's a bit too much. Like, he's a lot to deal with. Like, he's fine by himself in the Justice League because it's bouncing off those other personalities, but when you've got two Barry Allens on screen bouncing off each other, it is really annoying. And that's for majority of the film. Because in the story, he's his, parent, his mother died... When he was younger, she was, uh, I think, shot in their house by an unknown assailant while the dad was at the shops. And he comes back and is like, call 911. Anyway, he gets accused for it and gets put in jail. Uh, Barry Allen has, through the course of the other DCEU movies, has worked out he can kind of go back in time by, you know, running as fast as he 
can and just he can go back in time essentially. He's worked out the skill to do that. And he talks to Bruce Wayne, who's played by um, Ben Affleck at the start. Uh, and he's like, you can't like you can't change things. Like you know, the outcome is what it is, and you don't need to fix things. Like these experiences made us who we are. And he's like, you know, because he's his mentor for him. Um, and then Barry Allen's like, I could go back and save her. I could save your parents as well. And then it, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman's just like, it's not, it's not the way. Anyway, he gets a bit sad because he goes through like memorabilia of his mom. He goes back in time, and. As he's going back through time, he fixes up the situation that would course correct what happens. And when he's trying to come back to the future, uh, there's a little portal where he's going through that kind of like time change. And there's like this monster looking thing that like kicks him out of it. So he kind of like pops out of the portal and he goes and sees like his mom. He's like, oh, wow, she's alive where I am. And then he works out he's actually come back too early and it's like 10 years earlier. So he meets his 10 year younger self. And that's where it kind of kind of gets a bit, you know, wishy-washy. And it's like him, you know, trying to explain to his younger self. It's like, you need to get the powers. You need to protect everyone. He does give him his powers, but then the original one loses his powers. So it's kind of like training the new one. It all comes full circle when the start of Man of Steel happens in that time frame. Because that's where they are 10 years ago when Man of Steel uh, happens and General Zod comes and, you know, he's trying to terraform the planet from that movie. Um, they're like, oh, we need Superman. This is where Superman saves the day. And that's when they team up with old man Batman, who's Michael Keaton, who explains to him that you're not on the same timeline path. You're on a different timeline path because it's a different Batman. He's like, you're not my Batman. And they quickly try and go and get Superman to save the day and he still tries to go back to the future because they're on a different time path. Superman never turns up. It's Supergirl instead, and they try and course correct what Superman would have done, and that's and they're trying to like fix that battle scene where the you know, Man of Steel battle scene. Anyway, he realizes he can't do it, and the only way is to go back on what he fixed back in the day to save his mom and change that back again. Like he realized what the original Batman Ben Affleck's Batman was saying was true. Is like you you don't need to fix anything. These are experiences. So that's the moment when he versus the big monster who kicks him out of the portal. Um, he fights him and then gets back to the original time frame. And there's so much like, it's like there is a good story in there, but there's so many things wrong along the way that cause it to be just horrific. The amount of like potty jokes chucked in all the time. Like, you know how like sometimes when the MCU does it, it's like, Oh, okay. Like it's like it's a lighthearted jab here and there, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. A bit of humor's yeah. chucked in there, and it works at a certain level. This movie chucks it in every like third sentence, and it's like, ah, stop overdoing it. And there's like random scenes at the start where like a building's exploding, and there's all these babies flying out a window, and it's awful. Anyway, um, the CGI, you would have heard how bad it is. When I saw it, I was like, surely it's not that bad. It's 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 shockingly awful, the CGI. <laughs> shockingly awful. And I'm like, how did this movie cost $236 million to make when you well, that's the problem, look at what's on screen? Yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the shoddy humor. It's the shoddy CGI. And clearly you can see the parts where different people probably wrote this film or at least rewrote it. I think the middle part of the film when they kind of just go see Michael Keaton's its strongest part. Because Really? Yeah. Usually the middle's 
the weakest part. Yeah, it's not in this. <laughs> it's not in this. The middle part of this film is probably its strongest because it opens with that with an action scene and he goes back in time and then it's more character-based in the middle there then it's an action scene at the end. I just felt like, yeah, with, with him bouncing off those other actors, the uh, Supergirl and Batman was good. It was the other parts when he was by mm-hmm. himself. I just could, could not stand it. It was, yeah. So overall, disappointing. Very disappointing. So that's The Flash. So I watched this week, I finally caught up on Puss in Boots and then Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I need to watch these. We did the Shrek one then. Like, I'll get to it. Yeah. I really enjoyed the first one, actually. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, the animation style is very different from the sequel. It's very basic yeah. for 2011. Um, still fantastic animation, mind you, but mm-hmm. nothing, like, super creative and out of the box for the first one. Yeah, it was very um, similar to Shrek in style. Like, it didn't change yeah. much to it. Yeah. No, and it's sort of about him and Outlaw's cat and his yeah. little, like, egg friend and yeah, the like so, uh, seductive like thief kitty who's um, kitty softballs or whatever, and it's sort of the origin of them and the origin of how Puss became Puss in Boots. Yeah, um, and how he gets yeah gets all his little like boots and stuff, and where he came from, and it's just him sort of trying to basically yeah he gets an outlaw from his town, and he's trying to redeem himself and win back his friends. Humpty, Humpty Dumpty. That was like the Dumpty. first one. And I had a fun time watching it. Yeah. I, I really liked it. I enjoyed it too. It was like it's a good building block for the character. I appreciated that. Um, I just had a better time with the second one. Oh, no, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. And then, yeah, last night I watched The Last Wish, which, oh, my God. I, like, I, I'd heard the hype. Yeah. You've told me about it. Everyone's told me about it. I just never got there. Yeah. And then I watched it last night some of the animation because it had been like on the TVs yeah, at yeah. work but actually sitting and watching it properly yeah was so incredible it's gorgeous the way that they've done it mm-hmm. and different parts of the film the style changes slightly yeah. the fight scenes are like so very like it's like cut shots where it's like it feels like it moves yeah. quicker it's really well done the villain the wolf is incredible yeah, so, good, so well so well portrayed it's just the whole thing is super. Just, I was blown away, even having known yeah. most about it. Yeah, I'd forgotten that Florence Pugh played. Um, She's Goldilocks. Goldilocks. Yeah. And then I was watching it. I was like, Oh my god! Yeah. Of course it's her, but I just don't think I'd put two and two together prior to that. I enjoyed her portrayal of that. The whole, it was good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The whole story was really well done. Similar in vain to like Shrek and the yeah. first one, where they take fairy tale creatures and mm. like this one had the three bears and like Goldilocks in it yeah. a lot and a little bit of Humpty but I think no no he's not he was mentioned one. he's mentioned, he's mentioned. about like the past yeah yeah it's um, they have like flashbacks what's the plum guy's name I forget his name Jack something mm. he's like the villain in this one as well and he's trying to get the star at the end yeah, yeah. and then just having yeah, just with the two cats back again, like Octopus and yeah, and Kitty, and then like Perito, the little dog friend, who was the heart of this. Oh film. my god! Right? Yeah. Oh my god! I nearly, having a panic attack. Oh. Yeah, I nearly 
I nearly wet my pants when I'm watching it. I think I messaged you last night, yeah, and yeah. he's going through all the names he's being called, which are horrible names because he's basically being abused. But he still yeah. like sees the world with rose-colored glasses. Yeah, and he says that he's being called like bleak for brains, and bleak I bleak for brains. I lost it. It's a very just, smart, smart naming there. That was very good. Yeah, he, they have a lot. Yeah, he's so endearing that little dog um, friend. Yeah. I can't wait to see when they do Shrek Five and they include all those as well. That'll be good. That'll be that'll, that'll be, be cool that'll to be see. Really good. I'm looking forward to I that guess if I'm, they do that right. Yeah, watching Shrek again, which I didn't think I'd say after the last few were quite. Yeah, three was abysmal. three was wildly disappointing. The first two are like I don't. They're top tier. Consider the other ones as part of the Shrek franchise, which I should, but I forget that they exist. It's because yeah, we rewatch one and two so many times. You're just like, I'm not going to go to three and four. <laughs> no, right? No. But, but now that Last Wish is in it, we got to yeah. So that was that was my watch of those. What else did you watch? Uh, last one for this week. Last night I watched uh, Joyride from 2023, um, starring Ashley Park, Sherry Cola, Stephanie Hsu, uh, Sabrina Wu, Daniel Day Kim, Ronnie Cheng. Very good. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. It's in the same vein as like Bridesmaids. It's like a raunchy kind of comedy with friends, and they're on like yeah, they've gone on a road trip because Ashley Park's character is a lawyer and she's been best friends with Sherry Cola's character since they were introduced in their small town as the two Asian, only Asian girls in town. So they became best friends and going over to China because she, the Ashley Parks character is trying to close a deal. So she brings her friend um, as a translator because yeah, she doesn't know Chinese, whereas the friend definitely does uh, being brought up in a Chinese household, whereas Ashley Parks character is adopted. So yeah. Yeah. Um, the cousin comes along for a ride. <laughs> her name's like, uh, sorry, their name's like Deadeye. <laughs> They're like the quirky character and yeah. they go over to China and they meet up with, um, her like college friend as well. Who's played by Stephanie Sue. And she's, she's trying to be like, she's like an actress and she's like being in all these Chinese movies and stuff. And she's like dating this guy who's like really religious, but like at college she was like really, um, yeah. outrageous completely different but she's not telling the guy this and they they turn up and they're like oh you haven't told him about all these times that you did all this this <laughs> and this um she got a tattoo in her nether regions as well and that obviously plays out a bit later as well like it, it just it's one of those things where it like sets up things for later and then it all comes out and in in like ways where you're like it's like that style of cringe humor but like it's really done well in this it's really funny I'm- been wanting to watch this one. Yeah. I just, yeah, never got around to it. It's really good. It's really funny. I was just sitting there. I was just having a laugh every now and then. It was great. Uh, there's this, this scene where they try and dress up as K-pop stars to try and get to a different country because they've lost their passports. And it's played out really well. And they do um they do a K-pop rendition of WAP by Cardi B. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And because obviously, um, like, they can all sing, like, yeah. very well. Um, like, Ashley Park's, like, a singer to begin with and so so they nailed that they'll nail, nail the song it's very good <laughs> and uh yeah it's worth checking out like it's got a bit of heart in it too because she's trying at the same time as trying to close a deal uh for her law, law firm in china she's also like the friends like you you know we found out your birth mother's mother's here do you want to find her while you're here? And the whole time she's like, no, 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 I don't need that. I don't need that. And kind of like the heart of the film is kind of like finding out who you are and stuff. 
So it's really good. It's worth checking out. I won't go into details and all that, but yeah, a, a very fun film to check out. I'm keen. I watched yeah. a documentary, which was not a fun time. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> the worst, but you know, definitely wasn't. It was enlightening. <laughs> yeah, no, I watched um, a documentary called The Last Daughter on Netflix. Or mm. It's on Netflix because um, a girl that we have worked with, Tammy, told me that I should check it out. Well, she told me she watched it, and I was yeah. like, I'm going to check that out. Um, and it's an Australian one. It follows Brenda, who's an Aboriginal woman who was taken from her family in the like seventies. Mm-hmm. So technically, it was after the Stolen Generation. Yeah, but she was taken to basically grow up with a white family for about five six years, and then she was taken back to her family because they gained custody of all of their kids again. Mm-hmm. And it's very much kind of like a like the Stolen Generation continued unofficially. Like they said that. Like, he, the father was an alcoholic when they took her to this family, but he was, like, a pastor. Like, he was a man of God. He'd done yeah, generally yeah. nothing. They were just bringing up these seven kids. And yeah. one day, welfare came and just took them all. Yeah, right. So they eventually, all the kids had got brought back to the parents about five, six years later, I think, they like, by the last one. Mm. Um, but she'd grown up as a little girl with his white family and like a white sister and everything like that and the family was like lovely and they thought they were going to adopt this girl and they thought they were like the saviors of this story Mm. and it's it's her like years later as an adult looking back on that and she's like well I want to find my white family because I have good memories of growing up with these people and this family but and then I got sort of thrown back into what was my original family but I didn't have the same connection yeah yeah because of that and like her mum's like well why do you want to go see these people that took you like I'm your mum and yeah, stuff I, I, um, can, I can get it I, yeah. you can understand it yeah but eventually it comes to the point where they've all sort of come together and like she's trying to reconcile both sides of her childhood and now she's like sort of in touch with both sides and they all come together at like family events and stuff oh, but nice. it's yeah. her journey as well trying to recognized as a kid from the stolen generation because I think there was like well, something the government was doing to like you know say sorry and give them money or, or whatever but she was denied that because yeah. they're like well we, you weren't part of that and it's like well, well I was <laughs> she was yeah um and now this lady Brenda's doing a whole bunch she's got like a whole foundation and whatever yeah, where okay. she's trying to I don't know just do something about the whole thing I guess but it was a really interesting to watch yeah worth checking out if you're interested in like true story type stuff especially stuff that was happening mm. not that long ago in australia but yeah it's kind of interesting that's wild was it netflix it's was not, it yeah it's not like super depressing either no. or like oh like you know no one's saying like oh i'm a, a victim i mean they are and this but not in a like mm. yeah not to make anyone feel bad way because it is just like this is the reality of life in this country and now we're just trying to have kids not be taken away from their families for no reason, basically. Yeah, I mean, watching, yeah. it, watching it will open up the conversation as well. So, yeah, no, definitely yeah, exactly. worth, worth checking it was out. Worth, worth watching, for okay. sure. All right. And that was kind of it this week. Yeah, that's it for me as well, which means me. we're getting into trivia. All righty. I think it's time for, do you want me to go first for your trivia question? Yeah, you can. Why not? Okay. In Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, who is the first kid the Oompa Loompas sing about? Okay, hang on. Willy Wonka and the 
chocolate factory. So this is the Johnny Depp one. No, that's um, that's Charlie. That's Charlie and the chocolate that's Charlie factory. And the chocolate factory. Okay. I just have to separate them. Yeah, um, oh, the naming's is stupid. Is it the same kid each time? I'm trying to remember. Okay, I'm just going to go out on a guess from the Charlie and the chocolate factory. I remember that one. Or I remember the Johnny Depp one more. Is it Augustus Gloop, the chocolate kid? It is. It is Augustus yeah. Gloob. It's so the same kid. The same. Yeah, they kept it the same. I, I, I couldn't. I can't remember a lot of the sort of "quote unquote" death from the first one. Yeah, but I, I got it, so it doesn't matter. You did get it, and I think a lot of people are gonna <laughs> probably write in and be <laughs> like, "How do you remember the Johnny Depp one more than the like the '60s one?" The reason I remember it more is because I'd seen the '60s one a bit as a kid, but like on and off. Yeah. The Johnny Depp one I saw in cinemas. Um, oh wow! Okay. And it, yeah, it, stuck it was a, in. a whole time. Yeah. And it stuck in, so I was like, "What the hell is this?" And I think I've seen it a couple of times since because it was the recent one in my childhood, yeah. but not by choice, just kind of. Yeah, it just is. On TV more, but there's there's some standout scenes in my mind of, of those films in a weird merge. It's um, meshed together. Well, now we've got a new one with. Timothy Chalamet coming out at the end of the year. I'm not excited for that because he he's my only gripe from the trailer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't scare me. No. Whereas Gene Wilder and, and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, their portrayals are scary. Like I'm like at any point they're murdering children. They're unhinged they're as hell hell. They're unhinged. Yeah. He doesn't seem unhinged. That's my only gripe. Yeah, it's more like a because it's the prequel of of it, it's basically his mm-hmm. rise of creating the chocolate factory. Maybe he yeah. hasn't got to that point yet, and maybe some experiences in this film will create that version of him. I don't know, but it's worth it. Yeah, it'll be interesting I, to see. Yeah. Okay, so my question for you is: What current TV show is the longest running live action primetime show ever? Live action? I yeah. feel like you it's going to TV shows that's still running that has forever. Still running, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's got to be something like NCIS. You're close, but that's not it. Damn it. Think about it. Oh, it's going to be Law and Order SVU. That's the one. Yes, yeah. I knew it. Yes. I was like, NCIS like, has gone for a while. And then that. I was like, hang on a minute. No, I used to get really into SVU, and that's still going. So, uh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great show. We're one for one. One for one. One for one. Your next one is... What is the movie in which Jim Carrey discovers that his everyday life is really a TV show about him? Is that the Truman Show? That is correct. I've not seen it. <gasps> Sorry. No, you haven't seen it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, um, my I'll dear watch God. watch it when I get back. I'll watch it when I get back. This is one of my... I'm not going to say favourites, but I go out of my way every couple of years to watch it because I really enjoy this film. Okay. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, it's real. It's it, I. I quite enjoy the way it was made, and and yeah, Jim Carrey's really good in this. He's it's not his over the top kind of slapstick stuff of like lie lie. Like yeah, it's a little bit, but it's just the right level. It's really good. It is. It is one of my guilty. I should have seen, but haven't quite got there yet. Phil. Yeah. 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 Like I gen like it's one of those ones I do want to get to quite soon. Yeah. Well, when you get back, we'll sort something out, and I'll I'll watch it again. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next question. Um, my second one for you, sorry, is in which 1988 movie did Julia Roberts play Daisy, a waitress at a pizza shop? Think of the movie she's been in. I am Think trying. Of, 
she works in a pizza shop. What might it be? Pizza shop. All I can think of is like I haven't seen much of Julia Roberts really. That's that's my first thought is I haven't seen too much. We did the rom-com episode and I didn't watch any of hers really. So I'm you know it's it could be you know my best friend's wedding. It could be um what's the other one? <laughs> God. Pretty woman. Yeah, that's it, but it's I don't think it's going to be those. It's not. Well, no, it's definitely not going to be pretty woman. The, the clue was in the name, but Pizza? It's like... Do you know it? No, I'm thinking... There's not that many pizza movies from 1988. (laughs) Not off the top of my head. Okay, you're going to have to give this one to me. I've got nothing. Okay, this one was Mystic Pizza, which I have not seen, but I have heard of, so I thought maybe you might get it. I know there's Licorice Pizza. That's the new one that's out about pizza. That's that's a new one. That's not 1988. That's, That's not 1988. Okay, I have not seen that film. No, me either, but I just, we're running out one. of movie questions. That's a tough one. That's we good. Really but it, it gives me a reason to go watch something that I haven't seen or don't know about. So that one's going to, I'm going to. Watch gonna, Pretty Woman. You have to watch Pretty Woman. Well, first. yeah, no, okay. Yeah, everyone's going to say that You me. will love it. You will love it. Generally. I'm sure I will. I lo- Like I said, I love the 90s aesthetic at the moment. So any of those films I'll, I'll quite enjoy. I've got to do a Julia Roberts deep dive myself. <laughs> All right, your next question. What was the name of the fashion line named after Derek Zoolander in Zoolander? And that's something to Zoolander? I've never seen them. Oh, then you won't get so it. Okay, know. it's derelict. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen them. Uh, okay, look, I would probably steer clear of the second one. It's not very good at all. I- I don't f- want to watch them. But the first one's very funny. It's like that 2000s humor style, Will Ferrell, you know, it's got a bunch of other people in it. It's so good. I think I was too little at the time yeah. to watch them. And my mum was very much like careful about what I watched. I think it was like 2001 so I think or something. Of, yeah, I would have been like four. Even so. I was like 11. So, But I yeah. caught, them, caught them a little bit later when I was a teenager a few times. So it, it's, it's very funny. I, I will aim to... Watch them at some point. I'm an turner. I can't turn left. <laughs> I've got one for you. Okay, last last one. Yep. Question. In Seinfeld, Kramer's name was actually what in the pilot? Well, I don't know in the pilot, but obviously his full name comes out a bit later and it's Cosmo Kramer. I don't know if it's the same thing or if it's not. This is specific not. to the pilot, then ooh, I probably mm-hmm. won't. I don't know because the the first episode's called the Spring the, the Seinfeld Chronicles, which they yeah they weren't sure if it was going to take off or not because it's based on his you know stand up. But I don't know. That's a very good question. Yeah, Elaine's not even in it. No, she's not, not in the first episode. Yeah, they wrote her into it to have like a female kind of angle on it. Yeah. So her his name was. Do you want it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, I found that interesting. Interesting, very interesting. Okay. Because you're a big Seinfeld fan. No, I am. I did not know that fact, yeah. actually. Oh, cool. Okay. There you go. They changed it to Cosmo. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Kramer. Yeah. All right, cool. Interesting. Well, that uh, pretty much wraps us up for trivia this week. We both did terribly. But yeah, anyway. we did. We did make them harder, though. 
We did say we we're going to make them a bit more difficult because we've got to. We've got to. <laughs> we've gone through all the easy ones so far. I keep winning work trivia once a week. Yeah. Everyone's mad. Well, they stop giving out chocolates, which is a bummer. It's making it really. What's care. the point then? You're like, yeah, it's bragging rights, but I mean, I was always going to beat these people in movie trivia. <laughs> I used to walk out with like a stack of like ten chocolates in my head. Yeah, and I'd be like sweet. That's like the day sorted. You just know on, on that particular day you don't have to buy breakfast. You've got chocolate. I, mean, snacks. I know, it's great. Got snacks. Anyway. Right. That's time to get into the news. So I'll start off. Uh, first bit of the news. Dennis Villeneuve's June Part 2 has been delayed from the initial November 3, 2023 release to March 15, 2024. That is obviously going to be off the back of the current writers' strikes and actors' strikes not being able to promote this film. So I, I called this about three weeks ago, did I not? I think you did. I don't remember, but probably. Yeah, I, I, I knew they were going to push June to, to be a bit later. So that's interesting. That'll be March 15. Will that make it? I've got a question for you. Just unrelated. I just kind of thought it on the spot. Will this make it be in the years following Oscar things, like Oscar nominees? Like, will it not be eligible now to be in this year's? Because I feel like they run them pretty yeah, early. I can't remember how it works only because i i'm not part of the academy so it doesn't affect me but yeah, you need to get i don't know you need to get that certification get back to me yeah it was just a thought on the fly because i know they do run them like at least the presentations mm-hmm. like early in the year for the year previous but there is that overlap of like i think january i don't know if it go how long it goes for so well i think it'll be interesting this year anyway oh with, yeah i mean the emmys are still postponed well, that's Sorry. been pushed to January 15th. It might even get pushed again because we'll nothing's, nothing's been kind of um, sorted Not out budging. yet. So, yeah, it has been delayed till March 15th, 2024, which is, you know, four extra months. You have to wait for June part two. This is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy coming out of COVID where there were so many delays. Yeah, it feels the same thing. We got out of it. Yeah, and now, and now we're delaying everything. We're doing it um, again. For the wrong reasons now. The you absolute know? wrong reasons. Yeah. Crazy. Um, not much more news this week, but I do have another one. So despite having completed eight episodes, like an eight-episode season of the new Spider-Wick Chronicles, uh, Disney Plus will not be moving forward with the project. So it's, it's done. It's ready to be released. But instead of distributing it themselves, they're shopping it off to other networks as part of a cut-down on content. So basically, I guess they don't want to pay people for you know, royalties and stuff yeah. and they don't want to pay to distribute it. So they're, they're shipping it off to someone else, hoping someone will buy it so that we can watch it, I guess. Someone probably will buy it. It'll probably be like Amazon or someone will end up snatching it up. Um, yeah, so it's probably a good acquisition. It. Yeah, it is. I think so too. It's saying that it says so much about Disney at the moment. It's crazy that Disney doesn't want it. Yeah. yeah. It just says so much about their business model at the moment, Disney, and it's not good. It's really not good. They're it's just, not, and it's going to set the tone for – the other studios as well, which is a shame because, yeah, it's all about money, nothing about the business. It's like, about, you know, of yeah. films and It's not TV. about the art anymore. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. the, only, the only kind of company I can think of that actually still appreciates the art form of cinema is A24. Yeah, but they're an indie. I know exactly. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's they're not, they're not a major studio. I know, but they're becoming so big for known, you know, True. for that. Um, that's what people turn to for like, you know, really creative films is, oh, yeah, it's an A24. Oh, good. It'll be a good movie then, you know. 
it's just it's a shame. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it's a big shame. Especially when you look and you think back to the golden age of Hollywood mm. and they had, you know, there was the big three, but yeah. there was like the big six to eight studios as well. Yeah. Um, and they were all making the best stuff they could make in their own like league to yeah. compete with other studios. Well, that's the idea, yeah. It's, um, and now it's like it's with Disney owning a good chunk of everything. They can just do it. And then want. billionaires buying these companies rather than studio heads who give a crap. It's just... Yeah. It's yeah. it's disappointing the way it's going at the moment. I hope everything shifts, but it will take. it's still going to take a while. still going to take it's a, hard. a It's year hard with the media landscape changing too. So it used to be like, you know, you'd call it a film or you'd call it TV or you'd call it... You know, and we're making like an art, but now it's like, oh, we're making content. Yeah, exactly. It's because um, people's attention spans also kind of shifted with the creation of TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. Like people don't have the attention span to watch even a two-hour film anymore, let alone like, you know, a three-hour, you know, cinematic piece. Yeah, I think it's 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 a, it's a changing world we're in. And people watch everything on their phones and they, you know, yeah. barely watch stuff. And yeah. It is changing, and it's a shame because there's a few of us out here who still love the art. Yeah, and it's we're few and far between, Tish. We're around. Oh, yes, now. I know, I know. Even just having general it's conversations sad. with people, I know, like obviously they know we have this podcast, but you just ha- you get into a conversation about films, and you just realize how surface level some people have gotten with with films, and you're like, oh, you have so much more to discover, and you kind of want to help them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's a hard thing. Um, like, I mean, look, it's fine if you don't want to, but no, it's fine. Yeah, like if it's not your thing, that's completely fine. But around about now, it's time that we're going to get into the main topic of the show, and we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. Damien Chazelle movies. Which yeah, is exciting. He's a cool director. I yeah. didn't find him until the last couple of years, but I'm I love his stuff. Yeah, me too. Like I. I think the first one for me, I'm going to run through his films and then we'll get into mm-hmm. it. So, firstly, Whiplash, 2014. He wrote 10 Cloverfield Lane, 2016. La La Land, 2016. First Man, 2018. And Babylon, 2022. So, they're all his major films that we're going to be kind of running through briefly in the next, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour. Um, yeah, for me, it was... I think it was La La Land. I think the first one was La La Land. That was my first one. Back in 2016. I saw this one at the cinema, actually. Me too. I cried. Yeah, I loved it. I really, really loved the story of this one. And it's just one of those stories where it's just, it's, it's boosted by the performances. I think the fact that Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone have such good chemistry on screen together, it just really made that film, like, really set off apart from, like, anything else that was really kind of out at the time. And I remember, I mean, I just loved it because I'm a massive musical fan, as we previously discussed. Yeah. So I loved all of the, like, they paid homage to so many classic films, and yeah. I, I loved that. And I went to see it with two, they were old school friends at the time because it wasn't that long since I'd graduated. Mm. And one of them, she had, a like, a arts degree doing, like, visual arts, and I had my, like, film degree, and then we were with another friend who was a nurse. And I remember me and my friend Aaron like crying a little bit mm. because it's just so brutal the reality yeah. of being an artist. And then my my other friend, who's a nurse now, was like, 
you guys cried. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, yeah, we did. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah, just the fact that, you know, what the sacrifices these two people had to go through, yeah. per- personal sacrifices they wanted to go to to fulfill their dreams. Like, yeah, it was it was really good. It was really good portrayal on screen. Should we start at Whiplash and then get through it? I think we should go back to the yeah. start. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Smack bang in the middle there, La La Land, which we'll get back to talking to, I'm sure of it. But we'll start with Whiplash. Now, you watched this this week, didn't you? I did. So this is one that it came out in 2014 and I started my – I did like a diploma first and then I did started my film degree. Mm. So it was pretty new at the time and I remember everyone talking about it um, and it was just one I missed. I just never got around to watching it. Yeah. Um. And I always meant to because I knew how good it was mm-hmm. from just word everyone, of mouth. Everyone else, yeah. But I got to it this week. What was your initial thoughts? I I really love this one. I, it's not my favorite of his yeah. stuff. Um, but that it's not because it's not good. Um, it's just, <laughs> yeah, no. I think it's a, it's I, I, pre- yeah, these films are top pre- pedigree. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's yeah. not like I didn't like it because it was it's not my favorite. It's not good. It's just yeah, for yeah. one reason or another, which I'll get to. It wasn't my favorite but it's up there as a film um basically it's starring miles teller jk simmons um and a bunch of other of other people and it's written and directed by damien Mm -hmm. and it's the idea that under the direction of a ruthless instructor a talented young drummer miles teller begins to pursue perfection at any cost even if his humanity so he basically wants to join they all do um jk simmons band Mm -hmm. And he gets sort of picked out of a room by J.K. Simmons, and he's like, "Okay, come play for me." And it's a it's a prestigious honor. Um, but J.K. Simmons is like so ruthless oh, yeah. as an instructor, like unbelievably ruthless. He kind of wants to find the next, you know, Beethoven or yeah, literally like perfection. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's, he gets he, in there and he. Yeah, so Miles Teller gets in and he feels like, you know, a big shot. Like, I've been selected. And yeah, yeah. He's, like, the second drummer or whatever. Like, he sits there and he turns pages and, and, and everything. And then, you know, one day the guy that's drumming, you know, makes a mistake. And J.K. Simmons is like, all right, get up. The other kid's drumming today. And he's like, well, like, what? No, this is my position. Yeah. Um, And, you know, throughout the whole thing, he very much plays people against each other because he wants these yeah. kids to you know strive for better yeah and it's crazy it sort of reminded me in a sense and this is going to sound terrible i have to preface it um of my uni lecturer in that she didn't suffer fools. yeah and she was like if you're in here and you're you don't waste my time that being said she was very lovely as well yeah um yeah not ruthless in like a mean way just like if you're here take it seriously and if you want to talk to me outside of class, if it's about work, it better be worth doing. Like, mm-hmm. show up or don't be here. But not in a negative way. She just wanted us to take our own lives seriously. Yeah, I, I can guess. appreciate that. But nowhere near J.K. Simmons, no. like, at all. But I did find similarities in approach. Just yeah, one unhinged in a different way, I guess. Very different. Very different. His portrayal in this was just so outstanding like i think he did win the oscar for that for that role mm-hmm. and very deserved it was it was so phenomenal to watch how 
how ruthless he could be on screen. And was he like throw a symbol at him at some point? Oh yeah, <laughs> stuff like that all the time. Times. Yeah, it's incredible. And what he says to some of the guys in the in the room as well is pretty brutal. And it does it does become like a bit of a power play towards the end. Um, and there's that final shot of them two kind of looking at each other, and like there's that, that like look and slight nod, I think, of like appreciation of each other. Like not so much like your methods at all, because it gets pretty brutal in terms of what happens throughout the story towards the end. Um, but yeah, there's that whole like understanding of what each each of them want and yeah they just look mm-hmm. at each other and yeah there's that kind of that's how the film finishes and I was like yeah this is fantastic <laughs> yeah I, I really appreciate I'm glad I watched it yeah. yeah yeah it's a very good film um definitely worth checking out that one whiplash all right now I we'll, do find I was gonna say yeah, um before we move on I, there was a scene in it that I, I quite not that I enjoyed it but I found it interesting it almost takes Take inspiration from the social network. Yeah, okay. In that when Miles Teller's character is sitting down with um, Melissa Benoit's character, his girlfriend at the time. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, I've got to leave you because I'm about to be like this mm. big hot shot and like you won't have time for me and everything. It reminded me of that scene in the social network. Oh, I know the with one. With Rooney Mara. <laughs> yeah. And um, oh, who's the guy in that one? Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. I always get him mistaken for the other guy. The guy from Juno. I know they're different. Michael Sarah. Yeah. They're very different. They're very similar in gangliness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I always think of the two of them and then I'm like, no, which one am I talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, it sort of reminded me of, of that scene almost because yeah. it was quite – I similar. Very similar scene. Yeah. Yeah. I know which one you were talking about in the social network. Yeah, that, that scene's hilarious. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> anyway, um, back to Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, Cloverfield Net Lane next. So he didn't direct it. He wrote it. It was uh, directed by Dan Trackenberg. Um, I haven't seen this in a while, so you're probably going to have to push through this one for us. It, in my recollection, I quite enjoyed it for, I think it's the reveal more than anything else. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this one. Um, obviously, it's not directed by him, so the visual style is completely yeah different. not not his. Um, but in terms of a story, it's it's written very yeah. very solid for a genre piece as well. Yeah. So it starts starts with what Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, and she has been she's like leaving her boyfriend. Yeah. So she's packing up a car, and she's just set off in driving and she gets in an accident and she wakes up in like a basement type yeah with her legs in like a um like a splint and she's chained to the wall and she's got a like an iv drip in yeah. she's on a mattress she's like what the hell was sort of happening to me and and this guy comes in played by john goodman and he's like no you're all right you're just hurt um but you might want to get good on these crutches and he hands some crutches and he unlocks the chains that's chaining her to the, the bed or whatever. Um, so she can kind of get up, but she's still locked in this yeah, little room. Yeah. And she's like, well, what is going on? Yeah. And comes to realize as it goes that there's another person, like, living down there as well, and they're in this, like, doomsday prepper type bunker. Yeah. And John Goodman's like, no, you can't go out. You can't go out. Like, the air is basically poisonous. And 
if you get out, like, you know. You'll die. We're all going to die and you have to, have to live here. So she's not really trusting him because, I mean, you wouldn't. So yeah. she's sort of tried to see if she can get out, but he's like, don't bother. And then she meets up with the other guy that's in there. Probably, probably Troopers in this movie. Where is he? He's a voice. He's the voice of Ben. Okay. That makes sense. I'm like, hang on. No, I don't no, remember you don't him see, in there. You sorry. don't see him. He's, he's a voice character of it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was reading. Yeah, I know. Like, I saw the When notes. was he in there? I was very confused. Yeah. Um, I saw that yeah, he so was a voice. She's him for a moment and she's trusting this other guy that with them. They're just trying, she's trying to figure out what's going on, really. Yeah. Um, she utilizes the they, other guy as like the friend character to try and find information out as well. Yeah, and she tries to escape at one point and yeah. gets through one door and there's like a second door and John Goodman's like, what are you doing? Don't leave. And then yeah. she sees this woman who looks like sort of messed up and skin's a bit yeah. burnt. Yeah. So obviously something's out there. And she's sort of freaked out at that point because she realizes that there's clearly some truth to what Is John Goodman's said. character is saying. Yeah. So she sort of makes a life down, makes a life down there, quote unquote, and then starts working with the other guy to get out because she's realizing that the story that he's been told and the story that she's been told don't match, don't quite add up, and yeah. clearly John Goodman's a bit unhinged and something's gone on. Maybe he's killed some people. Yeah. So it goes off with her then starting to like make a plan and whatnot with the other guy and then really dark um john goodman realizes that they're trying to escape mm. they're standing around a barrel and um he just shoots him yeah because he's like yeah that this is what happens basically if you're trying to get out and he goes you don't want to see this part and he's got a vat of some i can't remember what acid it is mm. some sort of acid and he goes you don't want to see this because he's just going to disintegrate a body basically yeah it's grim and then she sort of realizes, like, it's now or never. Towards the end, so she finds a way out, basically. She knocks over this the vat of acid into John Goodman, so he's sort of half... Melted. Melting um, in a realistic way, not like a, you know... Yeah. He's sort of melting. She sets fire to the bunker. Eventually, she gets herself out in this, like, makeshift hazmat suit. But then there's, like, a weird, like, creature of some some kind mm-hmm. that's then trying to kill her so she's got to hide from this creature and you think god how's she been through enough yeah what's, you know, what's like, going on here it's too much there's so, yeah. so much danger in this young woman's life yeah in so many different aspects like you know danger of humans and yeah. then, then danger of some alien creature thing thing yeah and then you know she manages to get through that she's in a car she's driving away and the radio comes on and basically says that, like, you know, if you go this way, we've taken this part back from, we've taken this part back from, you know, the creatures, aliens, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, or we need your help down in this direction. Yeah. And she, she gets in the car and turns it around and, just and goes to save everyone. Like, she becomes this unlikely hero. It was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's a good story. I think it's at the point where, because it's, it's called 10 Cloverfield Lane and there was a movie previously, I think like 10 years earlier than that, just called Cloverfield. And yeah. it didn't ever kind of like in the marketing associate the two together. But I think once the film kind of, you know, the story kind of progressed and you see that alien towards the end of the film, you go, oh, it's in the same universe. This is fantastic. Right. And it's like, it kind of like it's building on 
a sequel, but it's not directly associated with the first one. It's just in the same universe. You go, oh, okay, cool. Because there was a third film too that came out on Netflix like about three years ago. It's called The Cloverfield Paradox. Right, and okay, that yep. also, I know all three of them. Yes, and that also takes yep. place in the same universe as well. So there's like a Cloverfield, you know, franchise happening, but they're all differently associated to each other. So, yeah, it was. I thought it was a pretty cool addition to that kind of little thing as well. I really enjoyed it, honestly. I didn't think I was going to when I started it, but then I got really into it, and then it got far out at the end of like, the yeah. alien stuff. But I was like, I'm on this ride. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm here now. Um, I'm strapped in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I quite liked it. That's it good. was very well written. It was very solid. That's exactly right. Like, he's, his writing style is fantastic. That's why we're covering him. He's, he's very good at developing a story. And actually quite similar to what he does in sort of La La Land. Yeah. Um, what is it? Which one? Whiplash and then Babylon. He uses in those films the score to really, like, yeah. build a pace. Yeah. And in this one, he didn't use a score to build a pace, but you can see the same the same practice in this one in that his story pacing speeds up yeah. the tempo at times. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. good. That brings us back to La La Land 2016. Yeah. This is our. This is probably our – Favorite one out of them, I think. Actually, no. I don't know. Babylon's, um, Babylon's up there quite too. Quite by Babylon, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, that one's a, it's a tough one to go past, actually. La La Land for me, I really appreciate the the music as well. Like for me, I just always, even now, every now and then, I'll chuck on that first opening track, um, mm-hmm. In the Sun, whatever it's called. Another Day of Sun. Another Day of Sun. Yeah, that's it. And it's just a it's a fun, yeah, infectious it, yeah. film. And the fact that they're all dancing on the highway, uh, it's a really great scene to open the movie. And like I said before, like the, this is the acting chemistry of those two characters because they've already, already acted together before in Crazy Stupid Love. Like there were a couple in that. So they obviously, they can bounce off each other really well. That scene where he's playing the guitar and she's <laughs> he's all dressed up and she's at the party. I thought that was fantastic, and you just tell they were just having a lot of fun filming that. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate it. I watch this every now and then. It's just, like, yes, it's star-crossed lovers that, you know, realize that their their dream is bigger than this love that they have for each other. And it's kind of heartbreaking towards the end, but they still have an appreciation for each other when they kind of meet up later on in life. I thought it was really good. That's the thing. Like, they never fell out of love. They just yeah, knew that if they wanted to live out their dream, it had to be independent of each other. Yeah, exactly right. And that was a sacrifice that they knew ultimately they'd have to make or they'd never make their yeah. relationship work. Exactly. Uh, and it's a really brave choice that the two of them made, I guess. Yeah. As characters to give that all up. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's why it's said in that way. It's because a lot of people do go down the route of, oh, I met someone, so I didn't, I didn't pursue my dream fully. And not in a way of like I resent them, but like that's their that was their course of life. So I think it was a good portrayal of like, well, I the no the dream comes first. My my goals come first for this. Um, I'm going to pursue it. So it was good. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous film. I think it was a difficult year for you know best picture that year. I mean, obviously there was controversy at the Oscars, at the Oscars but forgetting yeah. all of that, it, it was, was a tough, tough year. There was a lot of good films yeah. out that year. Yeah, Moonlight as well, obviously, which won that yeah. year. Um, but, yeah, that's going up against that, that was, <laughs> it's a rough go of it. So, yeah, very good year for films, that one, 2016. I think even if you're not into musicals, this one's great. I think you should watch it if you haven't already seen it. 
Yeah, exactly right. Just check it out. It's not like, yeah, you don't have to be into musicals or anything. Like, it, it, yeah, it's a modern version. So, very good. Next up, First Man. So, I watched this one. You didn't. So, it's from 20, I've not seen this one. So 2018, tell me about it. Starring Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler, and Corey Stroll. So, this one wasn't written by him. It was written by Josh Singer. Um, and maybe that's why it has a different vibe to every of the other ones, but it's still directed by him. Uh, it is a look at the life of astronaut Neil Armstrong and the legendary space oh. mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon. I like how I never realized that it was a Neil Armstrong picture. Yeah, it is. Um, um, and look, don't get me wrong. I liked a lot of it. It's um, probably because it was so factual and just, you know, so grounded for that. Like I think these things actually happen. It wasn't as whimsical as the other films and, you know, uh, uh, that we're speaking about Babylon and La La Land and stuff. Ryan Gosling played a really good Neil Armstrong. It was good. It's It opens with this really amazing scene where he's, he's like, flying this, this X-1 jet, which is kind of the one that goes into the top level of the stratosphere before coming down. And the sound design in that, ooh, it kind of gets you really in the mood. Like, the anxiety level, like, peaks because it's, like... Really, really, really well-designed sound design. Um, and I looked it up, and as we would know from all the other kind of um, composers, it's the same guy. It's Justin Herzwitz who does this as well as literally every other film that um, Damien does. So it's the same composer, which it's why I appreciate the other films so much. And I feel like for a director like Damien, you need to have consistency with yeah. your sound design because it's, so much of the sound design and the score tells the story that he's telling. Like, it, they sort of go yeah. hand in hand more than most films. Yeah, no, it was good to see. It was good to see. A big part of this film, and I know I know that this part's chucked in for dramatisation. Like, early on in Neil Armstrong's life, he had two, He had a, a young daughter die from brain cancer. That was factual. That plays out as, like, a motivator throughout the film. This takes place over the course of 10 years, like pretty much when he starts in the program to when he finally ends up on the moon. And along the course of the film, he meets a bunch of other astronauts. He builds uh, like a relationship with a lot of them. But obviously during the 60s, it was a pretty brutal time for astronauts. A lot of them died during the course of this film. And like he's obviously going through turmoil, losing relationships with people, how scary it is for him to finally accept the fact that he's going to be the one going to the moon his family relationship because of that. And when he finally gets to the moon and this last like 20, 30 minutes of the film is like basically the mission. It's so beautifully shot. Like I, that's the thing. I love space films for that, especially in this era. It's so beautifully shot. Uh, the moon scenes are wonderful and it kind of ends that the way the movie ends is he, he's just walking on the moon. It's really silent. And there was this um, kind of like a necklace kind of thing that his daughter had and it had a name on it. You saw it at the start when she was getting buried. Like, he had it in his hand. You don't really see it again for the rest of the film. And he's just standing on the edge of, like, what is a crater on the moon. And he looks down in his hand. He's holding it again. And he kind of just, like, kind of, like, lets it go. And it, like, floats into the crater. Which is really, like, nice. But, um, yeah, like, for a dr- dramatic sense of a movie, like, it was put in there, obviously, for that. And it was, it was just a really good way to end the film. And, like, he comes back to Earth, obviously, and survives and sees his wife again and that. But, yeah, it was it was good. It was a good film but very different from his other kind of like three main ones. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, he didn't write it, so. No, it, exactly. It's, it's, ba- it's based on a, 
like although it says written by Josh Singer, it was originally based on kind of like an autobiography of Neil Armstrong, uh, and that guy yeah. obviously just then turned it into a screenplay. So then he yeah. just directed it. So yeah, it is, a bit, is it is a bit different than these normal kind of ones. And that brings us to Babylon, yeah. which we saw. How long did we see it? Start of the year. It was like January. Mm. It was uh, yeah, start of the year January. We saw Babylon. Why? Did one we, of my favorite. Yeah. Sorry. I was gonna say, why did, one we, of my, why did we love this? <laughs> I think it's one of my favorite films that I've seen this year, if not in the last few years. I'd yeah. seen the trailer and was pretty keen, same as you. Yeah. But I didn't know what I was getting into. It wasn't getting rave reviews by critics or anything like that. Which I don't um, know why not because it's very like he, the style's the same as he's always done. The story was fantastic. Like, it was so outlandish, and that's exactly what it was trying to portray. Maybe the runtime. Maybe that's the only... Maybe. But, like, I felt like I I didn't really look at my watch at any point looking at, you know, during this time. No. So, Babylon, if you hadn't seen it, tells basically the story of a, a few characters within very early Hollywood. So this is from silent films to... Mm sound films in the 1920s. This is before there was any, um, like, haze code or anything brought in, which was basically when Hollywood decided they had to clean up their act and all of their stars had to have a very, very clear image, which is probably the stars that everyone's used to thinking of. Like, even, like, baby Julie, uh, Judy Garland had to be, you know, sort of Judy Garland's Dorothy off screen yeah. as well. Yeah. This was prior to all of that. So there was so much debauchery and just crazy parties and, insane stuff going on in Hollywood and this is a look into that yeah. era of Hollywood. So we yeah. don't talk about much. It was like a different pers- perspective of the different characters during that era. So it was like an aspiring actress. It was like a pr- producer and then an aging actor as well from <laughs> Brad Pitt. So it was really good to get the different perspectives of of that time frame and what the rise and fall of a lot of their characters were during this. Um, Margot Robbie's fantastic. Brad Pitt's fantastic. Diego Calva was really good too. The main, the main producer guy. Uh, I love this film so much. Yeah, and Tobey Maguire as the villain kind of character in the middle part of that film. He was unhinged. Yeah. He was fantastic. I want to see him in more like, yeah, villain roles. Uh, I'm quite sad that everyone that's going to watch this that hasn't seen it doesn't get to see it in cinema because we saw it in cinema and it was such an experience to see like. Well, it felt like a you know a real old Hollywood picture in yeah, the cinema. It has a especially l- the scene at the end, mm. which I won't spoil for anyone. But watching that on a big screen put you in it in an yeah. experience that I don't think you'd get on like a TV screen. It has which a, is a shame. It has a real love of like singing in the rain and and stuff like that. It was like, inspired it was, by yeah. the guy that was inspired by singing in the rain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you really had that kind of it, yeah throughout the film. It, the music was infectious as well. Oh my god, I loved it. We came home, and we listened to the soundtrack. Yeah, like I've, separately, I've, mind I've, you. I've um, listened to the soundtrack to it. a couple of times since, and I was like, oh, this is this is infectious. It's it just seeps in, and you just. Yeah, get in the mood for partying from listening to some of the score. It's really good. I would highly recommend people see this film. I I know it's long. I know it's a long film, but stick with it. It's It's got a really good message and it's worth checking out. I wish it did better when it was during its box office run. It only did like $60 million after a $90 million budget. Really disappointing. I wish more people would have saw this. They spent the money in the right ways too. This wasn't a film 
like all these Marvel ones we're talking about where they throw cash at it. It's not worth it. Like they put the money where it needed into to go. stuff yeah. that you know really needs to. You saw it on screen. It was gorgeous. Yeah, the sets were amazing. The costumes were amazing. Like every aspect of this film was like a ten out of ten. Beautiful. Yeah. Like I honestly, if you love films, please and you haven't checked it out, please watch Babylon yeah. and get back to us because it is one of my favorite films. I think. Yeah, I can see it again, but I yeah, want to see it again. Again. Yeah, I will watch it again at some point too. Uh, and that just about wraps up our Damien Chazelle deep dive into his films. I want to thank you all yeah, for I'm listening. Very excited to keep an eye out for work of his that's coming out because it's always been just stellar. Yeah, I'm going to look up yeah. what, what's next. Surely it's going to be something good. So um, I'm going to be away for a little bit. I'm off to Europe, as some of you already know. But Shannon's got some things teed up. We've got some special special guests. Yes. Friends of the podcast that are going to jump on. Absolutely. Um, keep an eye out on our Instagram. If I manage to watch much before I go, I will be putting stuff up and letting you know what I've been watching and if it's good. I don't know how much I'm going to watch because I've got a couple of days and it's all getting on top of me. But anything I watch, <laughs> I'll let you guys know. Um, and as always, thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying it, you can give us a follow and you can get in touch on Twitter, threads, Instagram, TikTok at binge list or you can email us at binge list and box up kids at gmail.com and that's about it for us this week i think that is it that is time to wrap up this episode i want to thank you so much for listening while we have done this remotely i'm sorry i um became an infection during the week and we had to do it this yeah. way it will only happen every now and then when one of us is feeling ill hopefully not ever but yeah. no obviously not ever but we'll if we can do it face to face we'll absolutely make that first priority but if we can't I'm glad we could at least do it remotely. So, yeah, yeah, it's good. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye.